we don't want women to dismiss their symptoms because they feel like they should deal with them, that they're expected as they age. Yes, it's more common, but it's not considered normal. And these are often very treatable conditions with low risk options. Our goal is really to improve your quality of life by helping you and what other symptoms are bothering you. November is Bladder Health Month, and to celebrate, we are replaying an interview with Angie Sargent, a nurse practitioner in the UW Health Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic. In this interview from 2020, Angie talks about risk factors for pelvic floor disorders, pelvic floor physical therapy and other interventions, and what visits to her clinic look like. If you'd like to learn more about pelvic floor disorders, join providers in the UW Health Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic at a free virtual Healthy Women Community Talk on November 14th, 2023 at 6 p.m. You can find a link to register for the talk in the episode description. From the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and you're listening to the Women's HealthCast. Today on the Women's Health Cast, in honor of Bladder Health Month, I am very pleased to be talking to Angie Sargent, who is a nurse practitioner in the UW Health Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm curious um, to learn a little bit about your practice, uh, what you do in your clinic, and why people come to see you. Absolutely. So as one of our nurse practitioners here, I see patients looking for help with all sorts of pelvic floor concerns. I partner with my physician colleagues to help care for these patients that come to seek help with us. That might be somebody who's new to our clinic or a follow-up patient that might have seen one of my physicians. Sometimes patients are looking to try something like a pessary, which they typically would do with me. Or I might see patients after they've had a surgery with one of the physicians I work with. You mentioned um, pelvic pelvic disorders or pelvic concerns. Um, what kinds of issues or conditions are we talking about when we say those words? Pelvic floor disorders is really an umbrella term that covers a wide array of concerns involving the bladder, the bowels, and vaginal or uterine support. One common bladder condition, for example, is an overactive bladder. That refers to a feeling of needing to urinate frequently, feeling like you can't make it to the bathroom, or leaking urine before you get to the bathroom. Other patients might experience something like urine leakage when they cough, laugh, sneeze, jump, or do other activities. That's called stress incontinence. And some women actually experience both of those things. Bowel concerns, those might include things like bowel urgency, constipation, or accidental bowel leakage. Patients that might have vaginal or uterine support issues, they may be experiencing something called prolapse. What is prolapse exactly? It's a good question. So prolapse is the relaxation of the vaginal walls or the loss of support of the uterus itself. That can feel to women like a pressure in the pelvis or the vagina or even a bulge. So between all of these pelvic floor disorders, um, incontinence, um, prolapse, how, how common are they? How often do they pop up for people? So this is, this is something I like to talk about because pelvic floor disorders are more common than most people think. 
And that partly is because we don't talk about them. I commonly hear my patients, after they've reached out for help, they go to their circle of friends or their family and they realize that this is just more common than they knew and that they're not alone. When I think about pelvic floor disorders, I kind of have this image in my head of like them mainly being an issue for older women. Um, is that is that true? It is more common to see pelvic floor disorders as we age. However, they, they do occur in younger women as well. And what I usually encourage patients to think about is if it bothers you, ask the question and seek out some help. In addition to that, we don't want women to dismiss their symptoms because they feel like they should deal with them, that they're expected as they age. Yes, it's more common, but it's not considered normal. And these are often very treatable conditions with low-risk options. Our goal is really to improve your quality of life by helping you and what other symptoms are bothering you. So what kinds of solutions are available for people with pelvic floor disorders? Um, you said there's a lot of like small changes that, that we can make. Um, like, What kinds of options are out there? There's a wide array of solutions for women with pelvic floor disorders, including behavioral changes. So, for example, if somebody is dealing with a bladder concern, like the overactive bladder I mentioned, they might want to think about what they're drinking or how much they're drinking. Other women might try pelvic floor physical therapy. There's medicines. I mentioned pessaries earlier. These are support devices that we use for different conditions. And of course, there's also surgical options. I kind of want to ask about, um, I'm not sure if I'm even going to say it correctly, um, Kegel exercises or Kegel exercises. Um, I feel like, you know, every once in a while, I well, actually more than once in a while, I'll kind of scroll past an article that says, you know, the one thing you should be doing for your pelvic floor is Kegels. And um like usually will have a small explanation of like what that is and why people would do them. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, are they the cure all that like women's health magazines would kind of have you believe? <laughs> so it might be many of the pelvic floor conditions uh, are related to weak pelvic floor muscles. Kegel exercises strengthen these muscles if they're done correctly. Other women, they might have symptoms that are because their muscles might be too tense or they're uncoordinated. If you, what I would say to women is if you feel like you're trying them and it's not going well, that might be the time to seek out some more help. So when I read these like magazine guides or suggestions to do Kegel exercises or other pelvic floor exercises, what um, what's kind of happening in my body when I when I try to follow their directions, what systems am I working? Yes. So our pelvic floor is comprised of a lot of muscles that are support. And sometimes these muscles are weak, as I've mentioned, and sometimes they're too tense. And other times they're not coordinated in a way that's causing us undesirable symptoms. So when they're weak, that's when women might try Kegel exercises. And what we're trying to do is strengthen them by contracting them, but then also learning how to completely relax them. 
When I refer to women knowing how to do them correctly, they might be able to do them correctly on their own. But when they need more help, we would refer them to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Pelvic floor physical therapists are experts in our field that help us to match the patient's symptoms to what is going on in their pelvic floor as it relates to their muscles. So they help patients understand how to do a pelvic floor exercise correctly, or even what pelvic floor exercises really are helpful for those women. Sometimes we might find that actually they don't need to contract or strengthen their muscles. They actually need to learn how to relax their muscles. So that's what our pelvic floor physical therapists really help us as providers in taking care of these patients. So you also mentioned, um, you, you, well, you mentioned pessaries, uh, and I'm curious if you can tell me a little bit more about what a pessary is and kind of how it works and how someone would um, get one. Like, what does the appointment or exam look like to figure out whether a pessary would work for someone? Sure. So pessaries are pelvic floor support devices that help patients with prolapse, or stress incontinence. And just to review, prolapse is the loss of support of the vaginal walls or the uterus, and stress incontinence is leakage when we cough, laugh, sneeze, jump, run. They're flexible silicone devices that come in all shapes and sizes. When a patient is interested in a trial of a pessary, they would have a pessary fitting. That oftentimes in our clinic is with me. We would talk about their symptoms and maybe the type of pessary that might work for them and then how to care for it. Once we fit them with the pessary, we'll have them go try it in their normal everyday life and come back to see us after a couple weeks so that I can understand whether it's helping you. And, and maybe we'll have to try more than one, and that's very common. So you mentioned um, a pessary fitting appointment might often be with you, and that and you've talked a little bit, too, about being able to refer patients to pelvic floor physical therapists. And that kind of makes me curious, um, coming into a clinic like the UW Health Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic, what are some of the variety of um, healthcare professionals who are available there? What do appointments look like? I guess if you're moving through a, a, like a diagnosis and treatment plan, who are some of the professionals that a patient might end up working with? Yeah, it's nice to know really what to expect when you're coming to a new uh, clinic or appointment. Our Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic is a multidisciplinary clinic. This means that there are multiple different providers with different specialties, and those include female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery, urology, gastroenterology, colorectal, and pelvic floor physical therapy. This team was put together to help address a wider range of pelvic floor conditions, including complex conditions that might require more than one provider. Our team will help determine which of these providers will be able to help you based on the reason you're coming to our clinic. I'd like to ask a little bit about risk factors, like what we know and understand about what might cause some pelvic floor disorders um, or might lead to some pelvic floor disorders. And then if there's anything that we can do um, protectively to kind of maybe prevent um, pelvic floor disorders like prolapse or incontinence in the future. 
Absolutely. So what we know about risk factors and pelvic floor disorders, what we commonly think about and read about are pregnancy and deliveries, but there's other things that also contribute. So things like surgeries that we might have in our pelvis or constipation, heavy lifting. So some patients might have a job that requires heavy lifting or something in their life that requires that heavy lifting, a chronic cough. Sometimes our genetics play an impact. Really, when we're affected by something that's putting pressure into our pelvic floor, that's going to increase our chance of having a pelvic floor disorder, and that's something that can happen over a long period of time. Some of the things that I talk to women about as far as prevention is, so think about those risk factors. If you're dealing with constipation, for example, let's talk about what we can do to get you on a more regular schedule so that's less of an issue. You know, some things are modifiable and other things aren't. Pelvic floor exercises and either working on them on your own or meeting with a physical therapist to try to maintain your pelvic floor strength where it's at or prevent things moving forward is also something to think about. So in your in your professional experience and expertise, um, you've been working in this field for a while. What do you think it's important for people to know and understand about pelvic floor disorders? That they're common. You're not alone. And that there's many things that we can do for these issues. We understand how hard it can be to ask for help and to seek out that help and figure out where to get it. But I do encourage you to do so if you're feeling bothered by your bladder, your bowels, your pelvic floor support. And this can be reaching out to our clinic, of course, but it could just be starting a conversation with your primary care provider. Pelvic floor disorders seem like kind of sensitive topics and things that might be um, a little uncomfortable to to bring up as a patient. And I'm wondering if you could leave us with like tips or strategies for um, even starting that conversation as a patient. If you'd like to bring this up with your primary care provider and feel like you can talk with them plainly about what you're experiencing, that's great. But if you don't, you're unsure what to say, or you're feeling like you don't want to have more of a conversation with them specifically, you could simply ask, could I get a referral to the pelvic floor clinic? Could I get a referral to a urologist? And that might spur a little bit more questioning, but then they're going to understand that you're looking for help. This has been the Women's Health Cast with Angie Sargent, a nurse practitioner in the UW Health Women's Pelvic Wellness Clinic. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me, Jackie. Happy to be here. Please join us on November 14th for a free virtual community talk about pelvic floor health. You can learn more and register for the talk at the link in our episode description. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UWSMPH Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find the UW Department of OBGYN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at WISCOBGYN.
Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link in our episode description. Thanks for listening.